The Mariners have their eye on the top international free agent pitcher in this year's class. Plus, Mitch Hanniger is officially going to test the open market. We'll tell you our thoughts on that and more of Jerry DePoto's comments down in Las Vegas here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. This is Tidy Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description below. On today's show, the GM meetings are underway in Las Vegas. And Jerry DePoto met with the media yesterday. We're going to focus on three big topics he discussed including the team's interest in Japanese pitcher Kodai Senga, Mitch Hanniger's qualifying offer, and who the Mariners plan to protect from the Rule 5 draft. Amongst other things, there were some other interesting notes from Depoto's media appearance. But, Colby, let's start with Senga, because this is really interesting. It's not very often that you hear from general managers or just any representative from a Major League Baseball team just outright call out a free agent by name and say, yeah, we're interested in this guy. We want to bring this guy here. Uh, But that's exactly what Jerry DePoto did yesterday in talking with the media. He just outright said that he views the, uh, that he views Senga as an impact pitcher in major league baseball. He, uh, according to John Morosi confirmed the Mariners have done their due diligence on him and plan to contact his representatives at the appropriate time. So, when is the appropriate time, right? Because things get confusing when it comes to international free agents, especially when the uh, posting system gets involved uh, from Japan and all that. But the good news on this with Senga in particular is that he's already accrued nine plus years of service time in MPB and therefore cannot be posted. He is free to explore opportunities in Major League Baseball and other leagues around the world. Um, but specifically in his case, uh, his contract with SoftBank has an opt-out for this season that allows him to explore those opportunities in Major League Baseball specifically. So he is going to be free to sign with a team as soon as tomorrow when free agency official officially opens uh, in Major League Baseball. So that's really exciting. Now, we need to say that just because Jerry DePoto outright said, hey, we're interested in, in Senga, doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to land him. Ross Atkins of the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays general manager, also said we really like Senga and are interested in him. <laughs> so that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but let's get into the numbers here for Senga, who's pitched in MPB since 2012. And in those 11 seasons in his career, as I uh, need to bring up his career numbers here, he's uh, posted a 2.42 ERA. He's averaging exactly 10 strikeouts per nine innings pitched, over 1,300 innings of work. And then specifically this past season, a 1.89 ERA. He struck out 9.7 hitters per nine, uh, over 148 innings pitched in 23 starts that's 159 strikeouts to 50 walks 
Uh, he features a fastball and a splitter, which is often referred to as a ghost fork. It is absolutely nasty if you can find it on Pitching Ninja's Twitter account. I also posted a video of one of uh, Senga's uh, last starts in Japan on my Twitter feed. Uh, check it out because that pitch is disgusting. Then there's also two breaking balls that leave a little bit more to be desired, and we'll see how that kind of... Uh, uh, how, how teams in Major League Baseball approach that, whichever team eventually lands him approaches that. But it does seem like there is some faith that he can start, even though that there's really only two pitches that teams right now feel good about. Uh, what else can you tell me about Senga, though, uh, learning a little bit about him here? Yeah, uh, upper 90s fastball, which plays very well at the top of the zone, thanks to the splitter. So he's, he's you know, affected that way. Um, so. That's a little bit concerning, at least for me. Uh, three three point four base on ball per nine in Japan. That's, I mean, it's not terrible, but it's it's not ideal. You probably want him lower than three uh, in an inferior league. Um, so it'll be interesting to see because we know that strikeouts are probably going to go down when he comes to Major League Baseball. It's just the way it typically works, um, especially when you consider the stuff that he has. And so if he's, you know. Sh- walking three and a half guys per nine and he's only striking out eight and a half. Uh, that's, that's, you know, a, a, a pretty potentially damaging situation. Uh, but this is being factored into his market already. There are, there's nobody really out there that thinks that Senga is, you know, a number one, uh, number two type of pitcher. He's, he's a four, probably a very good four. Um, you know, if, if he's got the, the, if you can figure out one of the breaking balls, maybe make that a 55 grade pitch, then he might be a three. Uh, but the lack of like great command, it's is is going to hold him back from being a top end guy. But he's a very good pitcher, and his market's probably going to reflect that. Uh, Fangraphs, along with a few other uh, places, seem to be projecting him pretty comfortably in the four to five year range at roughly between fourteen to sixteen million per year, somewhere in that range. So he's fifteen mm-hmm. million dollar year pitcher. Uh, for four or five years and he's entering his age 30 season um so yeah there, there's some other things there's some some durability concerns uh, you know we don't need ty to go over all the things that made you say kikuchi a little risky in his first year so but they pretty much all apply to senga as well so uh the one thing we know about the mariners is that they're not afraid to go uh into this market uh particularly for the arms they did it with kikuchi they did it with flexen they appear very willing to do it with senga um, and we know that they have pretty good, uh, <clears throat> pretty good roots, um, pretty good, uh, boots on the ground, uh, covering the, uh, the Japanese leagues and the Korean league, uh, in terms of scouting. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I think it makes some sense here. Uh, I think, you know, if you're paying him four and 60, I, I think that's fine. You could probably make that work. And, and that's, it, it's, it's a pretty solid ad just based on stuff. You never know how it's really going to play at the big league level, but. I feel pretty confident this guy's at least a number four starter. Yeah, it's a really, really interesting um, opportunity here. And Senga is uh, 29 years old as of now, but will turn 30 on January 30th. So you are paying for his age 30, 31, 32, 33, potentially 34 uh, seasons at roughly, as you mentioned, it seems like he's going to get about 14 to $16 million per year. So, what this really, for me, what this really does is bring up uh, an interesting question that 
Is this just an exception? Is Senga just an exception for the Mariners because there's so much unknown about him and the stuff is really interesting and, you know, especially that ghost fork and, and all that, the things that you can do with that? Or is this actually an indication that the Mariners are willing to spend some money to round off their starting rotation? Because we've heard from DePoto that Chris Flexen keeps getting called on, that, you know, maybe even Marco Gonzalez could move here. That there are teams showing interest in their pitchers right now. And uh, with him saying that too, kind of feels like a deal might be close, but that's a conversation for a little later on. Um, but does this mean that the Mariners are actually willing to pay 15 ish million dollars to round off their rotation with another free agent pitcher? Because that could put, in theory, Guys like Nathan Avaldi, Taiwan Walker, Jamison Tyone, Martin Perez on the table. Yeah, um, it feels pretty likely that Chris Flexen's going to get traded uh, this winter. It feels like there's enough interest in him. Uh, maybe it's not a one for one. We've talked about different package ideas uh, on yesterday's show. So um, it feels like Flexen's definitely going to get traded. Uh, the interesting thing here is, is that what do you do with Marco? Um, Jerry seemed to indicate that there was some interest in Marco as well. Uh, we did hear the rumor in July, or was it July, uh, mm-hmm. that the Phillies were interested in Marco Gonzalez for some reason. So, um, maybe you could trade Marco. Maybe, maybe Marco is a, a salary dump type of thing. And maybe it's, you know, Marco for Max Kepler, you know, blah, blah, blah whatever it is. Um, so maybe that's a possibility as well. It, if, feels like you have to trade Marco to not justify Senga, but like you can't pay Marco $7 million to pitch out of your bullpen this year. He's just, he's, it's not a skill set he has and mm-hmm. you have to figure out what to do with him. So if they think they can move him and Flexen, and it sounds like they'll be able to move Flexen pretty easily, um, then yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense because also moving those two guys, if you can move those two guys, you, you're going to clear, you know, about $15 million off your budget, which is about what you're going to need to get Senga or, or uh, Evaldi or Taiwan. So yeah, I think it makes sense. And we're talking about the Mariners. If they did something like this, we're talking about a rotation where somebody like Senga would probably be the number five starter. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, you know, in practical terms. So yeah, it, it, it's right. something that we've talked about how, you know, the Mariners shouldn't ignore the rotation. Uh, the only concern here is that is this money going to prevent them from going out and signing the the second outfielder that they need, um, mm-hmm. the second bat that they need? Uh, I don't know. We'll find out. But Seng is a really interesting player, and it's 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 a uh, it's a fun it's a fun idea because it, it does show that the Mariners are thinking about just getting better in general, not just mm-hmm. specifically. We have to get a left-handed hitting left fielder who's you know at least above average defensively and post a 335 on base like no they're just looking to get better in general yeah yeah uh all right so we got news uh on mitch hanniger and what the mariners plan on doing with him are they going to accept his qualifying offer are they going to decline it we'll talk about that in just a moment but real quick a reminder this episode of locked on mariners is brought to you by simply safe if you thought about securing your home with home security but have been putting it off you'll want to listen up right now locked on mariners listeners can order the number one rated simply safe home security system for 50 percent off this is their biggest offer of the year and you won't want 
want to miss it. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use FastProtect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than $1 per day. That's less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system. Anytime, anywhere, arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. So we now have some clarity as to what the Mariners are going to do about Mitch Hanniger. And as expected, as I talked about on Friday's show when I went solo, it just didn't make sense for the Mariners to essentially give Mitch Hanniger $20 million for one season, which is what they would be doing with the qualifying offer. I believe the qualifying offer is set at $19.2 million, $19.3 million this year. So yeah, essentially $20 million for a guy who unfortunately has really struggled to stay healthy and did not perform particularly well towards the end of the season after he returned from injury. Uh, And uh, Jason H. Churchill, prospect insider, uh, today also saying that he's been hearing that Hanniger is potentially going to be somewhere in the range of a one-year $9 to $12 million contract. So why would you give him 20 if you could potentially get him for 9 to 12 for the same duration and that's essentially what jerry depoto said yesterday as well he said uh you know i would say uh over the years uh over the last couple years that uh this has escalated for mitch uh that he likes where our team is now he likes our team he likes where we are he likes how our situation has evolved i think he appreciates playing in seattle uh but there was a um there's actually a part in here that uh speaks uh, specifically about payroll flexibility yeah here it is uh we have a lot of needs that we would like to fill this is jerry depoto speaking and we'd like to have as much payroll flexibility in doing that as we can that would be a sizable one-year commitment when we would prefer to work out something that makes a little bit more sense for us and for mitch too Mm -hmm. so um do you think maybe that hints at a multi-year deal in terms of you know what makes sense for sense for mitch as well because that's what it seems to indicate for me. Maybe it's an option, something like that. What do you think? Yeah. <clears throat> for me, it's some kind of vesting option um, with other options built. It's a very it's a very bonus-driven uh, type of contract, I think, is what uh, Jerry's getting at. Um, you know, giving Mitch eight, nine million bucks on a flat rate is fine. Uh, but I think what you're really looking at your Seattle is you don't just want to hand out nine, ten million dollars when you don't have to just for vibes, just to reward somebody. Um, so you, you want him to have to earn that, but you can't trust him to just give him, you know, 16, 17, 18 million dollars and be like, well, 
here you go. We know we're going to get this money back. No, you don't. Not with Mitch Haniger. So I think what, what he's getting at here is, is that like, look, if Mitch Haniger was healthy, would he be one of those guys who could fill, fill the hole and, uh, be one of those impact bats that we're looking for? Yeah, but we can't trust him to be healthy. We just can't. So what we're not going to do is we're not going to give him $19 million when we can get him for, we feel like probably nine and in, in some incentives um, or maybe like two and and two and like 18 or something like that mm-hmm. um, instead of one at 19. So yeah, it just made no sense to, to give Mitch Haniger the qualifying offer. He's not trustworthy enough. Um, I do think that ultimately Mitch, it makes the most sense for Mitch Haniger to sign in Seattle, um, even if he has to leave a little bit of money on the table. Not not millions and millions of dollars, but if Seattle's offering him one and nine with some incentives, I could take it up to one and twelve and say Arizona's offering him one and ten point five flat, it probably makes sense for him to come back to Seattle. So I, I still think that there's a really good chance Haniger comes back to Seattle. Uh the decision to give him the qualifying offer that that ship sailed uh probably in early September. It just Mm. he's not stayed healthy and he hasn't really produced um, aside from last year when he was, he was incredibly healthy, Uh, but he wasn't very good in 2019. He wasn't very good in 2022. And obviously he missed all of 2020 and most of 2019. So Mm. yeah, it was just never going to happen. So it it, like to give Mitch Haniger the qualifying offer, essentially reading is Jerry. It sounds like Jerry basically saying like, if we gave him the qualifying offer, we'd basically be giving him $10 million for free. Yeah. We're just not going to do that. That's what I read uh, into those comments. Yeah. Uh, Tapoto also said, you know, we've been in touch with Mitch and our hope is to work something out to have him come back as we expected. Obviously, he's now a free agent and we knew that was going to be a part of this before he ever reached free agency. We will continue to be in contact throughout. Our goal is to bring him back. It remains to be seen whether that's a reality. And now, you know, Depoto has outright acknowledged, like, if we don't land Mitch, will have two outfield needs to fill. And so that's that's good, right? Because that means that he's not satisfied with the left field situation. Yeah. I think you and I both thought that, yeah, for sure they're going to do something about right field, whether it's bringing Mitch back or addressing that you know, with someone else. But left field was a little bit of a question mark. Were they just going to come back into, in, into 2023 thinking or saying, you know, hey, like, we still have Jesse Winker. We have Jared. We like what we saw, you know, that, that Jared did over the last month of the season, which that would be incredibly scary. We think that Dylan Moore can play there more, you know, that would be incredibly scary, right? You know, and so uh, ultimately, though, uh, Jerry has said, like, that's something that we are interested in and interested in addressing. So that's uh, that's good to hear. I, I thought that that Jerry said all the right things yesterday. He also talked about uh, the willingness to move J.P. Crawford off a shortstop again reiterated that that hey if you know we end up landing a shortstop who doesn't want to move off a shortstop doesn't want to go to second base we will have those discussions with J.P. Crawford right just getting that out of the way and um, and letting people know like you know we are open to that possibility we would like to keep J.P. at shortstop but if we have to move off of him we will so good to hear those things still uh, which also in turn kind of reiterates that they're interested in the shortstop market so that they haven't been completely turned off of that because things can change right the end of season press conference was a couple weeks ago 
now more discussions are being had. The the season has actually ended. You're now in Vegas at the GM meetings where there's agents there and you're talking to guys. And, you know, once that picture starts to clear up a bit, you know, it starts to, for some teams, uh, make it clear that, you know, you're not really actually going to be involved in this market the way that you were hoping to be. Uh, but so far, it seems like the Mariners still like where they're at on that front. And so, uh, you know, we'll just have to see how it all kind of goes. But it, 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 to me, judging by his comments about the pitching situation in particular and how they've already received calls and how he's just outright kind of saying like, yeah, Chris Flexen is being called on. There's a lot of interest in, in Chris Flexen. Feels like he knows like, okay, I'm going to get a trade that I like for him. We're pretty close. I think that the first move of the offseason really for the Mariners at this point is probably going to be a Chris Flexen trade. You getting that same feel? Uh, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of, you know, rumors flying around right now. Not rumors, but vague, like, ideas being thrown around, uh, which is what the GM meetings are always all about. Just like, hey, this guy might be available. Oh, this team feels like they need to move this guy. And that, that's really what the GM meetings are about. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think it was Morosi. Might have been Rosenthal. Was talking about how... Uh, there's a sense that the Rays are really motivated to get something done at these GM yeah. meetings uh, because of their 40 man crunch. And they have to uh, add, you know, a handful of guys to their 40 man uh, to protect them from the rule five. And, and they don't have the room. So uh, I still think maybe the Rays are, are a team that maybe makes a, a non flexing move with Seattle. Uh, but yeah, I feel like if, if we're laying bets, like what's, the first major domino to fall um, for the Mariners uh, this offseason. I think it's probably a flex and trade. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it seems the most obvious, especially like, again, when, when you hear a GM just outright mentioning players that are potentially going on the move, that means that something's about to happen or close to happening or, you know, that's just because they feel good about it. Yeah, because, you know, that's a whole leverage situation. That's a thing that compromises leverage for you as a team when you just outright start mentioning guys who are on the block, right? So you only yeah. say that when you know for sure, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get something that I like for this guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what's, what's kind of interesting about that, too, is that, like, if hypothetically they trade flex in for one of those outfield spots, you know, conceivably that's not going to be for a lot of money, uh, which – would in theory mean that they added to their outfield without adding significant salary, which means they can pay a little more to the shortstop. So if you're, yeah. if you're really, you know, hanging on for that Trey Turner dream and you're not sure how they're going to come up with that money, you know, uh, trading flexing for uh, a corner outfielder or part of a corner outfielder trade, uh, you know, is, is a pretty good way to, to add impact to your lineup without, uh, adding significant payroll. Um, along the way so you know if, if you're if you're rooting for trey turner or xander or one of those guys you should really be rooting for chris flexen to be traded for somebody like we talked about yesterday like teoscar hernandez somebody who mm -hmm. fills a, a need for you who isn't going to cost 50 60 70 90 100 million dollars mm -hmm. um <laughs> ryan divish said that it seems likely flexen could be moved in a package of players to get a position player so there you go um, DePoto also said that the Mariners are planning on protecting 
uh, Perlander Barroa, the right-handed pitcher that they acquired from the Giants for Donovan Walton last year, uh, or earlier this year, rather, uh, by adding him to the 40-man roster. Uh, and that uh, and said that there are also a few other prospects that they plan on adding to the 40-man roster in order to protect them from the uh, Rule 5, though he has not spoken to those players yet. So we don't know who those guys are uh, just yet. Uh, there's been a lot of rumblings about Joseph Hernandez, uh, the right-handed reliever down in Double A. Uh, Travis Kuhn, also a right-handed reliever down in Double A. Uh, Pretty much no Cade Marlowe is Cade going to Marlo. get added. Yeah, Cade Marlowe for sure. So uh, that's about it, right? Uh, well, Isaiah uh, Isaiah Campbell as well, um, mm-hmm. who's uh, finally healthy and pitching pretty well and could be a factor coming out of the Mariners bullpen at some point in yep. 2023. Uh, so any other guys that we should be looking at potentially as maybe surprise <coughs> adds to the 40-man? I don't think so. I think they're, what you're probably looking at, um, I think what, you're prob- what we're probably looking at is um, obviously Barroa since that's been confirmed, and then Campbell, Marlowe, and Kuhn. I feel like those are three pretty obvious fits um, to be added to the forty man. Fernandez is kind of an interesting one, uh, but I really think that's it. I don't think we're going to see like um, we're not going to see uh, like Sam Carlson. Like we're not going to see that. So no. uh, I think it's I think it's pretty much those five guys um, that we, that we just talked about. Uh, I can see all of them being added. I think for sure uh, Marlowe will be. I'd be pretty surprised if Campbell was left off. I'd be pretty disappointed by that too. I, I think he can really help this Mariners bullpen. Uh, Kuhn probably should be added, especially if you're thinking about trading from your uh, reliever stash uh, to help get that that bat. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think you know Fernandez. I'm kind of on the fence about. I don't know if anybody would actually take him and carry him all year. Um, but we'll see how the Mariners feel. And, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a surprise in there that we don't, we don't think about. And, and honestly, Kane Marlowe might've been that surprise if not for the whole playoff, uh, yeah. you know, uh, taxi squad thing. So yeah, I, I feel pretty good that Marlowe's going to get added. Burrow's going to get added. And I really hope Campbell and Coon are both added. Fernandez. Uh, we'll see. So lastly, uh, DePoto said um, Matt Brash is going to be ramped back up as a starter uh, going into spring training and then they'll adapt uh, if he needs to uh, go back to the bullpen. Uh, basically, it's as insurance, um, as a form of insurance if there's injuries to the starting rotation. Uh, to me, Colby, I think this is a way to sell Matt Brash as a trade ship. Hey, guys. Look, he's he's getting uh, ramped up uh, as a starter again. You know, he's a starter. We're 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 going to sell him to you as a starter, not a reliever, as a starter. Yeah. And that is how the Mariners acquired Randy Rosarena. Um, <laughs> I think what that's more about is I think that's actually more about hey guys, we're pretty darn sure that we're going to be trading Marco Gonzalez and, and Chris Flexen, so um, we don't want to go out and have to sign you know, um, Michael Pineda types as like our six starter type of, uh, arm. Mm-hmm. So we want to have brash and then we want to see where Miller and Hancock and Dollard are. And, and so we'll, we'll, we'll stretch brash out and, and all that. But eh, to me, it's just kind of dumb. I, I think he's going to be a reliever. If he's, if he's pitching for you next year, it's going to be out of relief. Um, yeah. it's just hard to imagine that he's 
figured out his control enough that he's going to pass guys like Dollard uh, on the depth chart if Dollard survives. So I think for me, that's more about like, hey, yeah, you know, we're going to tra- trade Flexen and Marco, like guys in spring training are at least capable of going five, five innings because we're not going to go and give, you know, the Michael Pineda types or the Danny types, we're not going to give them $4 million to be our number mm. six starter if we sign like Senga. You know what I mean? So I think that's that's right. what I think that is what that is about. Yeah. Uh and it's probably a little bit of both, right? You know, because I, I think Brash is going to be someone that gets <laughs> of course, of course. I think Brash is going to get uh asked about a lot in trades this uh this offseason. That's going to be one of the hottest names that gets uh, talked about uh between uh, Jerry DePoto, Justin Hollander and uh, other teams. Uh, and the Mariners are going, going to hold on to Brash very tightly, and they are not going to sell him as a reliever, right? If they are going to trade him, the other team, the team that's acquiring him, better be paying starter costs. And that's how I feel the, uh, the Mariners are going to be viewing that as well. I, I think, like, obviously it's different because the team's in a different situation, but they're going to look for, like, an Edwin Diaz type of haul in return. Uh, mm. just not prospect this time, major leaguers, but yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Titan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, C-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast featuring the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts, just like us. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.